Jacob Chastain, I have a question for you. You mentioned the other day that you had been going on these walks and you were seeing some great things. Have you seen any great particular strategies that might help anyone in our audience? That's a good question. Um, yeah, I've seen I've seen some really cool stuff. Um, one of the ones that popped up in my head uh, that I actually thought was interesting, and I've done something similar to this. I just never did it, I guess, with something like this necessarily. But there was a teacher at my school. She was doing. They were reading Hamlet, and they had read, you know, parts of it out loud, and then the kids were kind of working on a model text from it. And they were doing the whole to be or not to be section, right? And the kids had to use that as their model to write something similar. And so they were ta- they were wrestling with the language of the passage, trying to make similar connections as what, you know, that whole kind of philosophical uh, speech is in uh, Hamlet. Um, but then they were also trying to make it relevant and modern, right? They weren't, they weren't using kind of archaic language. They were just using that as kind of their structure. And I thought it was really interesting because it was, the kids were really putting a lot of thought into it and they were kind of using that structure to go forth. And I just thought, and this was from a, a, a teacher who's new, she's brand new. She's like, and she looks, <laughs> she looks like one of the students. It, it, it's so funny, but she, uh, she's teaching, as her first year and she's a natural. I was like, I wish I was half as good as she was um, when I started, but it was so funny because a lot of people I feel like are so resistant to doing things like that. They think that, you know, it's copying to do that. And I even showed my friends one time, I was like bragging about uh, these blackout poems that my students were doing. This was like several years ago. And my friends were like, I don't understand. They're just blacking out words. How is that writing? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And but like that stuff is so it's kind of pervasive because uh, and I don't really know why, because in music, how do people learn how to play music in general? They learn songs, right? A kid that picks up a guitar, he learns hot cross buns, he learns hell's bells from ACDC. He learn, you know, they learns all the uh, stairway to heaven. That was the one that's thing right. my son. He got his first, he got, I'm sorry, he got his first dollar because he went to, you know, I referee volleyball, Uh so he had to go with me. So anyway, he had a suitcase just sitting there, you know, not a suitcase, but his guitar case. And he was just sitting down playing and learning that song. And somebody dropped some money in his his, uh, guitar case. That was his, he's like, mom, I made some money. So I'm saying, and so that's how people learn. And when you're, when you're learning sports, you know, kids, they they you they do the moves that they see on the screen. They they shoot like Michael Jordan. They they hit like Sammy Sosa. He doesn't play anymore in baseball, but um, you know they they do all of these things. They throw like Dak Prescott. Uh, whatever. Really stretching my knowledge of football teams and sports teams at this moment. Anyone who knows me knows I'm not a big sports fan. Regardless, point is is that in most cases people totally accept the practice of taking something very close and then kind of making it your own until you either learn to do it better or learn to kind of merge the things and create your own kind of skill set. In writing, this is almost seen, this is like frowned upon. It's like, no, no, you can't do that. You can't copy these things. You can't use this model as your model necessarily. You can't follow it that strictly because you're not really creating. You're just kind of 
plugging in. But, you know, I just, I, and I've, I struggle with that idea because it's something that comes natural to me because I learned music through modeling. That's all I did was play other music. And then I eventually learned skills to kind of, to cope with that. But there's in writing, I, maybe it's because of the whole idea of plagiarism and, and things like that that's so ingrained in schools. But, you know, if you handle it right, I think it can be really good. And here's the thing. The kids enjoyed it. The kids were having fun. They were they were not only discussing the, the language and the vocabulary and kind of the structure of why does he say things in a certain way. Um, and they were having those conversations in her thing. So... I don't know. That's the one that stands out to me that I, I just really had a lot of fun with. And what the funny part was the only reason I saw it was because earlier that day, a student, cause I had visited that class maybe, I don't know, a week before. And I had a lot of fun with them. I was sitting there, they were doing, they were analyzing different poems and I sat with one group and they were doing these rotations and I just stayed with them for like 30 minutes. And I just rotated with them and just sat and analyzed poetry with them. And it was super fun. And then they, one of the people uh, in that group saw me in the hallway later that day and goes, Hey, Chastain, you need to come today. We're going to read Hamlet and it's going to be awesome. You should come visit. And so I, I, that's why I made my way up there. So they were inviting me to go see that. So uh, highlight both because the lesson was cool. The teacher is phenomenal and the kids invited me. So it was a win-win all the way around. Well, that's pretty awesome. I, you know, on that idea of modeling and my mother, when I was, I don't know, I guess a ninth grader took me to a UTA volleyball game, uh, you know, which is an NCAA team. And so they were, I don't know who they were playing, but um, I actually, there was one girl that are, uh, lady that she uh, actually, I mean, just kept her, her serves were just incredible. And she was, she was, you know, acing them. And so mother, my mom leaned over, she said, you know, that's probably a person that you could model your, your serves after. I bet you would do really well. So why don't you watch her throughout the rest of the game? And I said, okay. And so sure enough, that's exactly who I modeled my serves after, which when it was all said and done in my final and when I got to college and I was playing, we were in the national tournament and my coach, we were down 14 to eight. I'd been, I'd been injured. I had broken my, my ankle about six weeks earlier. So it's my first day, my debut since I'd been injured. And she looked down and of course, all I'd been doing was serving. And she said, can you do it? And I said, yeah. So she subbed me in because we were about to lose. Uh, we only, they, all they had was one more one more point and they would have won. Anyway, we ended up winning uh, and I served us out of the game. And I think it was because my mother had, you know, really the credit goes to my mom having me model a serve after someone who was an NCAA player that I can't even tell you who that was. Just, it was a player. And uh, I just imitated what she did and tried to make myself look like her. My mother would come to the gym with me and you know, when she, when I got it right, my mom would say, yep, that's it. That's what she looked like. And I mean, it just kind of cool. So that modeling really is something. And, uh, you know, even um, with uh, Patterns of Power, you know, with Jeff Anderson, I mean, that's one of the things he does. What do you notice about the sentence? And then one of those steps is imitate the sentence. And he believes that if you imitate, if I have the student's imitate good sentences, then have them 
recreate them in their, you know, in their own stories and things like that and do it in context and then it would help them learn the language. And obviously when we are, what do we do when children are learning language? We go, ma, 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 and then they finally pick it up. I mean, do they not, do we not make them copy what we say, you know, especially moms and dads who are competing against each other? Dad, 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 mom, I know he said, I know he said, dad, dad, you know, and then we do that and then we celebrate when they actually get the sound. And then when they add meaning to the sound, we really celebrate more and that's how they learn. And, and there is such a thing called mirror neurons that actually is there for us to, imitate so mm-hmm. i think you're on i think your teacher's on to something anyway with that everybody we are doing craft and draft and jacob what's our topic today well we're gonna hit on a few things we got two questions one of them will be a quick one because we've addressed it in a few different episodes but it's always nice to kind of circle back because we know not everyone jumps into every single hour-long conversation so it's always worth coming back to and then we have a bigger conversation all about managing uh students independent work time Focusing on off-task behavior. How do you fix that? How do you get it going? And kind of everything in between from there, ladies and gentlemen. But before we do that, I want to tell you that this podcast is really only possible because you guys support us over there at patreon.com slash craft and draft. You can find that link at craftandraftworkshop.com, just like so many of you have already. And they are Alicia, Brandy, Leah, Mark, Amy, Rebecca, Courtney, Carol, Melissa, Destiny, Lori, Natalie, Susan, Tracy, Andrea, and Hannah all keep this podcast going. And you could be like them and get bonus episodes. We just dropped one uh, this week for the final day of September. We dropped a bonus training video that has access at your tier and a bunch of other backlog videos and trainings and future trainings coming up. Pam and I have already started the talks about what we want to do next, our big Mm -hmm. event coming up here in a little bit. We'll have more news about that shortly, I am sure. But if you don't want access to all of that, then just subscribe so you don't miss any episode. We drop one every single Friday. You can DM us your questions, although patrons get first dibs, but we love answering questions regardless of if you are a subscriber or not because we know money's tight, the economy is crazy, and things are wild. Not everyone can support, so we think of those of you who do and those of you who don't. Thanks for listening anyway, because listening does help the podcast stay alive as well. But ladies and gentlemen, let's get to the conversation. All righty, Miss Ochoa. You know, you would never know this because you don't listen to the podcast I listen to, but I, depending on what podcast I'm listening to, changes my cadence for our intros. <laughs> so, <laughs> No, I did not know that. Because I'm, I'm such an imitator. Right? I there use them go. as models. And you know what's funny? The very first, I don't know if I've ever told this story. This might be a craft and draft exclusive. But the very first training I ever did about tech, I've done several since, but the very first one was with our district. Um, and I was invited to kind of talk about my podcast and stuff. And I, I didn't want it to just be about Teach Me Teacher, I wanted it to be about how you can use podcasts in the classroom, um, what I've learned, and maybe what I could give them some some steps in the right direction if, if teachers wanted to use podcasting and whatnot. But in that, 
Um, I, I really detailed kind of the origin of how the format of Teach Me Teacher came about and the music and everything else. And it really was because at the time I was really obsessed with two podcasts. One of them doesn't exist anymore. And the other one, I don't know if it exists anymore. I stopped listening to it for a variety of reasons, but it, I think it kind of collapsed. It might still be there, but I don't think it's, it's nearly as popular as it was, but it was, um, Oh my God. What was it? So it was the first one was the liturgist, which is a religious and kind of philosophical podcast. And the other one was from, Oh my God. I can't even hang on. I have to search this up real time. I have to search this because they, they're not, Oh, I think it's no, it's with the Patrick Rothfuss. Who's my favorite novelist. Um, and it is, oh my God, it, I guess it doesn't matter because the podcast doesn't exist anymore, but he is the guy, have you ever heard of Cards Against Humanity, Miss Ochoa? I think you've mentioned it. So it's, it was him. So my favorite novelist and the creator of Cards Against Humanity and there, I mean, he, I just died laughing all the time because Patrick Rothfuss is this very, he's a fantasy writer. He's very stoic. He's very intelligent, but he's also like the biggest curmudgeon on the planet. And so mm-hmm. the guy from cards against humanity would kind of play off that and he would kind of pitch him a, a softball topic. And then Patrick would just kind of rant the whole time, <laughs> but they, but they included music in both of those podcasts as like transitions from topics to topics. So if you listen to Tr- if teach me teacher one, uh, that no teach me teacher one that, that first season, I have just a little interlude and that is directly because of that Patrick Rothfuss podcast. And the liturgist is where I started getting more esoteric with my music and really adding in and creating some for it. So anyway, that was a really long detour to say my intros changed based on what I'm listening to. (laughs) So regardless, let's get to some workshop talk. I'm really glad people listen to us ramble on this podcast. There, there are people, they really are. And by we, I mean me, because I feel like I ramble the most. I think I do sometimes too. (laughs) But, uh, all right. So we have a question from one of our newest supporters, Hannah. She joined us. She says, hi, Pam and Jacob. I, am a longtime follower and I'm excited to join as an official supporter. Thank you for all you do. I have a question regarding workshop timing. I teach eighth grade language arts in Ohio, reading, writing, and word study included, and our periods are not blocked. I only have 45 minutes with my students every day. I am finding it very difficult to find the time to teach many lessons, read, and write every week. Do you have any tips for how to navigate a shorter schedule with craft and draft? Thanks. So we've answered this in a few episodes, but I always feel like it's worthy coming back to. I think timing mm-hmm. of workshop is is one of the more important conversations because there's there's a lot of ways time gets eaten up and you have to just kind of decide where you want to spend your time. Um, I DM'd her directly so she didn't have to wait for our answers, but for us to kind of pontificate for someone who might be new to the show or maybe if Hannah just wants to hear a couple more takes on it, what's your take on this? Because I know you've taught 45-minute periods. I have Mm -hmm. taught uh, 45-minute periods, though it wasn't – I had the kids twice a day, so it was still – I still had that extra time during the day, so to speak. I've never done really workshop to where I really was limited to 45 minutes, just that 45 minutes that day. So I'll pitch to you. What's your thoughts? Well, I think, first of all, you almost have to rethink workshop in this in this manner and think of it more 
um, long term. Like it may take it, it may be two days to get everything that you need in. In so, one of the things that I try to make sure that I do is I well, I'm even having to do that now. Uh, basically, kind of because of uh, the new things that they've asked us to do, and um, a topic that uh, we're going to get to in a minute. But I don't want to not read and write weekly. So you got to kind of think more, maybe not every day, but maybe weekly. And so what I do is I alternate. So right now I'm doing Monday, Wednesday, they they begin with reading. And then I do my mini lesson. And then they do their writing is typically what we do. And then in between, I break it up with the word work that we have to do. So we have to do patterns of power and we have to do, um, we they're coming and watching us now, making sure that we're doing our word within a word study. So they're actually coming out and looking for evidence of that. So we're having to figure out a way to put that in. And uh, so I alternate. So one day I'll do the patterns of power and the other day I'll do the vocabulary in that spot. So I kind of alternate those things. So if I start off on Monday with reading, then I make sure that I end with some sort of writing, even if it's writing about what they're reading. And then on Tuesday, they begin with writing, a little quick write, just to kind of, I do that so that I can um, write with them or real quickly check attendance. You know, it's just, it's just a routine for our kids. Cause you, you told me years ago that these particular kids that we teach, they have to have those routines. And so this particular group definitely has to have the routine. And I even had one kid say, I'm so glad that we have this routine. I mean, they literally say, he didn't say the word routine. He said schedule, yeah. but they appreciated the schedule and they've even told me that. So that's cool. So on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I begin with writing and that way I make sure that we have reading and writing weekly, at least twice a week. And then on Fridays, it's more of an open day. And what I mean by that is anything I didn't get done, I make sure I kind of get it done on Friday. If I have to take them to the library, I try to sign up on Friday uh, if I can. Uh, Right now, it's actually on Monday. So I kind of sometimes if that's the case, I move it down. But um So anyway, my Fridays, if they're working on a big project or I may have, uh, that's almost like a a work day where they can choose. Like, like this last Friday, we, we've got about three or three projects going. Uh, the kids have their own books that they're reading. Uh, as a matter of fact, they have a book of their choice. They have a fiction book and then we're reading the outsiders. So I'm getting all of that in, plus the other two things in. So Friday, uh, we have something going on with just about every one of those things. And so they have a they have a piece of writing that's coming in. They have a paired passage that they're doing. We have to read the outsiders. So, and then some of them um, have to, you know, they're working on a, a characterization project that we're doing. So what, so all of that's going on. But I'm doing that on Friday. So Friday is 
whatever you need to get done, make sure you work on it. So it's like more of their choice. So this last Friday, I looked around the room. I had some people reading. I had some people writing. It almost looked like what you do. And then I had some people, um, you know, reading, writing, and working on the projects. And then just making sure that anything that they need to get done, I told them to look through their grade book, online grade book, you know, and see whatever they need if they're missing. So they just need to figure out what they need to work on that particular day. And then I ended it with reading because on that day. So I, I broke it up into reading. So I don't know if that helps, but that's kind of how I've been doing it right now. Now, I do still have a little bit of a longer period. That's why I can get so much in because I do have two periods. But our partner, Taylor, she has eighth grade. And so I've been talking to her and she's been having to do that. And then she is having every other Friday, what she's doing is Friday is when they read one Friday and then the other Friday they write because she needs it a little more structured for herself. And so those are their reading days and their writing days where they do their long time or their, their true sustained reading where they read for more than 10 minutes. So that's kind of what she's doing, but she's, she, she works. Does she still do 10 minutes a day? Yeah, she's still doing, uh, she's still doing the 10 minutes a day from my understanding and then everything else. But then on Friday is when they're doing the long term where she, where she takes it more than 10 minutes. I'm not sure exactly how long they're getting, but at least 20 minutes, if not 30. Sure. Somewhere right in there. And so, but the, but every other Friday, from my understanding, it's every other Friday. But she pushes them pretty fast. But she's really good like that. But she has a timer. She is, well, she's outstanding. You know, I don't have to tell mm-hmm. you that. But she's able to get, I mean, actually, one of the, uh, she was telling me the other day that one of the teachers asked her, how do you get it all done? You know, and she's like, well, I mean, I don't mess around. I'm just like, I have the kids on a timer. We're moving to the next thing. And she said, sometimes, though, I feel like by going so fast, I give up some of the depth. So that's why I've included the Fridays so I can get more depth on Friday. So she goes deeper on Fridays. This is kind of what she was saying. So we kind of come back around. So she says she's spiraling. And she actually has the eighth grade uh, exactly like Hannah does. She's got that schedule. And they have to do the word work, and she's getting the word work done. The way she's getting her word work done is she's giving all the students at the beginning of the week the entire list that that the district's requiring that we do. And then every day, there's a moment in time in a transition period that that they that they're using those words. And I don't know, like she may have the words up on the on the board, and then she says, "You need to figure out a way to use these words throughout the day." So that's some of the stuff I think she's doing. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I'll kind of add just a a brief two cents. We'll move on. I think if I was running a class that was 45 minutes, I would do one of two things. And I would honestly probably have to feel it out and especially see with my students and kind of see, uh, kind of see where they're at, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Um, I think what I would do would be something along the lines of, Make sure my mini lesson doesn't go past 15 minutes. I would still start with it. Making sure my word work is embedded with that as much as possible. Read for 15 minutes or 10 minutes and then probably 15 and then write for the rest. Um, that would be like kind of like structure one of how I mm-hmm. would do that. And that would just be every single day. And the hard part would be just making sure that mini lesson is super targeted. 
Um, mm-hmm. And that's where it comes from. You know, I just I feel like the the closer we can tie that mini lesson to their independent reading and independent writing, then you can take more of that kind of task out, so to speak. That I've talked about it before. You know, just adding so many tasks to a workshop, you start removing that independent practice um, of reading and writing in substitute of more school stuff. I think, I don't think it's wrong. I just think my, my, when my goal in workshop is to kind of go a little bit beyond that, but you know, everyone has a different road to travel. Now, my, uh, other idea would probably be something like kind of a similar thing, but if I wanted more time than just 15 minutes of reading and 15 minutes of writing with that 15 minute mini lesson, then I would probably do mini lesson, whatever we're doing within that 15, 20 minutes. And then we would read pretty much for like the rest of the time for one day. And then it would be writing the next day. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what I'm doing right now. Yeah. But whatever I don't, because sometimes we get finished early because I have the t- the block, you know, I could not do that if I had, if I didn't have the block. Does that make sense? So um, it would be like exactly what you're saying. And, but what I do, I'm able to extend. So whatever we start with, that's what I end with. I mean, I end the opposite. So in other words, I, I didn't say that right. But if I start with writing, I end with reading. If I start with reading, I end with writing. But the reason I had to do that is uh, kind of go into our next question. And I have some students in one of my classes that, you know, our whole, you know, we've just, they're kind of a pocket of kids who have just fed off of for all these years. And so they've, you know, they're kind of a difficult group. And so, me trying to get them to do what I want, it was taking too long and I wasn't getting to everything. And so I had to solve that, that educational problem because, uh, or instructional problem, because I had students who are trying really hard, but they're not, they're only getting half of what I want to teach them because I was having, I've, I've had some struggles this year with this one particular group. And it sounds a little bit like uh, our next uh, question. And so uh, with that being said, I thought, how am I going to make sure I get it in? I got to make sure that all of my students have the opportunity to learn more about reading and more about writing. But if I if I start off with reading every day, like I typically do, then we're not getting to the writing in the manner that I want and in the depth that I want. So my answer was to alternate it. So this year I'm doing something totally different than what I've I've done probably since I taught uh the 45 minute period block and, and no block. Well let's uh let's answer this next question then, since you're okay. alluding to it and it looks like we're naturally mm-hmm. going into it. Rebecca message us, one of our longest uh reigning supporters. So shout Rebecca. out to Rebecca. She says what yeah. classroom management practices have been most effective for you all during independent work and teacher conferencing. I have a group of students this year who need a constant uh reminder to stay on task and not disrupt the learning environment for others. This is so here's one of the when I hear questions like this one, I love them because I think they're important and I think this is where among other things, this is like 
to me, this is where workshop either lives or dies is how Mm. well students are being managed, so to speak, in that classroom. Because when you and I were coaches together, the biggest problem we had kind of at that rollout of uh, kind of the new wave of workshop, so to speak, and it was merged with kind of our guided reading push at the time, was teachers going, okay, so when I'm with one group, what the heck is everyone else doing? And there's there's a lot of nuance to that conversation, and that that answer can be varied depending on your class, depending on your style as a teacher, depending on uh, your experience as a teacher. But what ended up happening is a lot of people were defaulting, well, if I'm over here doing like good work at this table, then I'm just going to give them worksheets. Right, that'll keep them managed. Yeah. Or I or, need or, a, I need another teacher in here to manage them. Mm-hmm. What were you about to say? I was going to say, or they put them on a digital playlist of yeah, some or sort. That. And mm-hmm. so that, to me, is that's that's a definition to me of like taskifying a workshop mm-hmm. to where it's less authentic and it's out of the 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 despair of, of not having that full control over a class. And sometimes, and you'll probably speak to this, sometimes classes are really hard to manage. So it can't be as open as we would like. That doesn't mean you have to completely squash the workshop. So when it comes to this, um, I know you're going to, you're going to have a a big moment on this. Um, I want to speak to a class that I had, uh, for well, so my solution to this overall, and I've had different solutions with different classes, and each one required a different one. But when it comes to kids, uh, the the independent work and teacher conferencing, I so in independent reading, I feel like it's a little easier, especially if you can start building that stamina. And we're just quiet at this time. It's a little bit easier to kind of keep kids on task while you're moving around the room and conferencing, at least in my experience. But then in writing, when it's a little bit more open or anything like that, that's when kind of the off-task behaviors can come. And so first and foremost, I'm comfortable with noise. <laughs> Ochoa knows this. Yes, you I'm, are. I'm very comfortable with it. It doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't bother me at all. It's a, it's, a, it's a strength and a weakness, and I accept both. Right. Um, right. But with that said, uh, I'm the, my management tool was my body, meaning I moved around the room constantly. And so it was kids knew I was going to be there. They expected me to be there. Um, and so I just – just by proximity – um, I was able to control the vast majority of behaviors. Now, did that fix everything? No. Did kids get off task? Absolutely. But that's just – it's also the cost to me of kind of freedom in a classroom. To me, I always ask the question, you know, is it the end of the world if they get a little off task during writing? No. Is it, you know, is it the, is it the end of the world if they kind of start looking off into space during reading? I mean – no. Do I want them to do it all the time? Of course not. Do I do I want it to be manageable? Yes. Do real people do that? Do does everyone get off task and get distracted and do this? Of course. So it's it to me it's more about looking at your your system of your class and going, Am I am I being too overbearing for the sake of trying to make something look like I think it should look? Or can I loosen up a little bit and really nothing's going to get lost. You'll save some stress because you're not constantly doing whack-a-mole and kids will be more relaxed because of it. Uh, 
And that, that's a hard question to answer because you have to look at your class and and know what kids need. And you know, if there if there's just kids being absolutely disruptive, of course we have to fix those things because no one's going to learn in that environment. But um, sometimes I, I feel it's it's nice to kind of sit back and go, you know, I I know we're. We're kind of all over the place. We're a little squirrely today, but is learning happening? Are kids working? Are they making progress in their writing? If they are, then it's it's less of an issue. But you you you're coming from a different perspective these days, Miss Ochoa. You have a, a unique group to to say the least. I feel like the last three episodes have been about this little group and your and and you working with them and and going through the. You know, even to this day, you're you're being challenged as an educator in in managing a workshop. So from from someone on the ground floor, you're experiencing this where kids may be getting off task, maybe have several disruptive behaviors during independent time. How how is it that you are managing this or how have you managed it in the past and you're and you're being asked to do it a little differently now? You're muted. Mute me then. <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> uh, no, I coughed a second ago, so I didn't want it on here. Uh, Rebecca, I feel your pain. That's all I got to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. This is probably, I have, I have all of the worlds in my three sessions of kids. In other words, I have three sections. I have an an on-level, typical regular class filled with about 30 kids. Then I have another class that has needs a co-teacher at times because you know because I have kids on uh, plans. Okay. And then I have an honors class who's fairly perfect. I don't want to say perfect, perfect, because we did have a little bit of a scuttlebutt the other day because two kids got mad at each other. But other than that, that's about it. You know, they're, 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 I like that class. I'm going to start with that class because one of the things that the students have said is in that particular class, my good class, I'm going to start there first because I think whatever it is I do, it's working there. The kids are responding to that. So my typical, I can be myself in that room. And what I mean by be myself is, I can be relaxed. One of the things the students said was, Miss Ochoa, this is probably the most calm class I've ever had. And I, you know, I get that often, but unless I have that group that's given me some fits. Other than that, I mean, they're like the other day, they're like, you know, you're like one of the best teachers because you allow us to write what we want to write. It's just, and we get to read what we want to read. And we really appreciate that. And but they also have to do the things I want them to do. So so I have moments where they're doing whatever they want. And then I have moments where we're actually following the curriculum and we're all doing something very much the same. So so I try to make sure I balance that out. But in that class, they they sit pretty much where they want. I don't have to deal with, you know, I don't have to work with them too hard as far as like with management. I tell them what I expect and I tell them that, you know, we have, I, you know, I gave them the rules of the consequences and all of that at the beginning and what I expect for workshop and what we're going to be doing. And this is a group that gets excited because they have learned something in grammar. It's, it's really almost weird. (laughs) 
<laughs> because they're like, Miss Ochoa, you know, I'm like, do you want me to teach you more about this? And they're like, yeah, I mean, this is That's really fun. cool. I had no idea. And it's really kind of fascinating to watch. So they feel challenged. So so I think part of why I can keep them is they can do some things, but then I challenge them. Does that make sense? And so my management there is pretty loose. In my class with the, you know, with my students that struggle, um, I'm up more. So I'm up, you know, like, like in the class that everybody's working, I can truly just go and do what we're talking about. I could pull some kids. We can talk. We can extend. I can walk around the room. I sit at their desk. I do everything that, that we've all talked about. I mean, it's really nice. And I've even had the academic coach come in and go, oh my goodness, she's even taking pictures. She sees them working. I mean, their notebooks are just filled already. They're going to have to, I mean, they're already running out of room and we're not even, we're only in October and they've already ran. I mean, they're just like, they're going to town, but my class in the middle, um, that I have half the class that's very much like the one at the end and half the class is like the one in the morning, (laughs) which is my rough class. So I have a half and half and I literally have to have the half of them can choose where they want to sit and the other half they have to sit where I tell them to because they can't control themselves now uh what do I do I have a routine number one you have to have that routine I just don't I don't I think in there no matter what they even the kids that misbehave they at least know that they're supposed to read on Mondays and I put it on the board. I tell I put it in the same spot every day so that they know exactly where to look. And so, and I'll stand by it like Vanna White. And I'm like, here's what we're doing. You know, I do that kind of thing. And and I kind of wait. And I and I am, I do have an expectation for them to be quiet and for them to be quiet. So so they're a little bit, they're supposed to be quieter for me than they are for you even during writing time. And I tell them during writing time, we need to at least have this much time where we're quiet so that people can think. And then I say, okay, you no longer have to be that quiet. So I kind of balance that out where I'm saying, I'll let you talk in a minute, but right now I need everybody quiet so that we can hear ourselves think. So I have that quiet time to meet those kids who need it. And then, and I play music. Uh, Another thing that helps is playing for me during that time. They ask for soothing music. So those kids do. And so I play the music and that seems to calm them down. I usually play like a Disney um, piano type music where it's not too annoying, just kind of a nice soft background noise. And I play it kind of soft where you can't hardly hear it. But the kids seem to like that. They liked it at that other school I was at. So I tried it here. And I know that these kids who really want to write and they're write, writing a lot, they're like, Miss Ochoa, you left off the music. I mean, they'll remind me that I left off the music. So doing the same thing over and over and having that schedule is probably the number one thing that I do. And then making sure that my expectations are very, very clear. Okay, so now we get to the class that I start this way. This is how it started the very <laughs> first day. <laughs> the first day. All right, class, I'm so glad that we're all here. We're going to learn and read. You know, I don't know if I talk like that, but you know, it's all like, Y'all are wonderful. I love children. I've been teaching forever, and I just love it. And then here you have this one boy go, I dare you to make me like it. You know, I mean, he doesn't say that, but that's 
That's his whole entire thing. And then somebody else goes, you too? Yeah, I bet she can't make me like it either. I don't like reading. I don't like this. And I mean, it was like, it was like the first three minutes of class and it hasn't stopped. <laughs> and then I walk in. And so like really, truly, 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 I'm walking around the room. I got I got that kind of settled down. And now they're writing because, you know, I write on the first day and we're writing and my horizons thing or whatever we were doing. Anyway, so we're actually writing and I'm walking around the room. And I'm like, oh, okay, so what are you trying to, what are you going to be, you know, you know, doing my little conferencing and I really don't talk like that, but you know, I'm walking around and, and, uh, and this one girl goes, Miss Ochoa, I hate to break it to you, but this is a, and I mean, they're all quiet and I'm thinking, yes, cause I got, you know, I worked out that little kink and I'm thinking, you know, Ochoa, you got it. You got the touch. And this little girl goes, Miss Ochoa. I got to break it to you, but this is a really bad class. And I mean, I'm like, what? <laughs> what? And she goes, <laughs> it's like in the first, I mean, 10 minutes. I mean, all I did, I had checked the attendance, figured out all that. But the first few minutes of writing, I'm walking around and she that. And I'm like, but they were quiet, you know, because they hadn't figured out what to say that would yeah. get my goat. And so anyway, and so she's, I'm like, what? And she, I said, no, look at them. They're all writing. She goes, they're just playing you, Miss Ochoa. <laughs> and I'm like, what? And I mean, the next day, I was like the tsunami hit. It was bad. I could not control half that group. The other kids were going, Miss Ochoa, what are we going to do? We can't think. We can't concentrate. And I'm like, neither can I. I know. I don't know. I got it. So I really had to backtrack because so I said, everybody up. <laughs> this is what I did. I mean, this is the second day because the first day I thought, and she did. She told me it was a bad class. I said, no, no, no. Miss Ochoa doesn't have bad classes. Anyway, sure enough, everybody up. <laughs> you know, because I already had it. And I put them in a seating chart. <laughs> and then somebody goes, that ain't that little girl. That one ain't going to work. You got to move that one. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh. Well, she's and being so, helpful. Well, she is, and she still is, but she's like, oh, Miss Ochoa, this is bad. I mean, that's exactly what she said, and she knew. She said, well, they were in my group last year, and they gave Miss so-and-so, I'm not going to say her name, Fitz, and uh, she's one of your friends. And so I'm like, okay, well, they weren't lying. It's a, It's probably the toughest group, I think, I have had in at least 20 years. So one of the things, I mean, you, you hit on a lot of good stuff there, but for, I don't know if Rebecca, I, I don't remember if she's ever told us what grade she was in. I'm sure she has at some point cause she's been with us for a while, but um, I'll assume it's middle or elementary. I don't think we have any high school educators that I know of. Um, but regardless, the, I saw a really great workshop um, early on <clears throat> where this teacher was talking about how 
she was she was struggling. She was at an elementary school. It was her fifth grade classroom. And what she did was is she had it was expect it was an expectation that when kids were reading or writing that she always kind of had a small group. And so kids had to have other things kind of to do. And she managed it in two ways. She had um, kind of a uh, it wasn't a playlist, but it was like a they over the course of like, I don't know, the first two weeks or so or maybe the first week, they kind of came up with what do you do? during reading time. Like they came up with a few things. And so she had some creative things like you can write a response to something. You could write something inspired by your reading. Um, you could write a review if you finish a book or you could, mm-hmm. um, uh, write a recommendation. I don't remember. I don't remember the exact list, but they had kind of made up a few things of just what readers do. And so they had that kind of in their journal of this is during reading time. These are like your choices. And she really never specified, uh, unless it was based on the mini lesson. She really never specified. That's kind of what they were doing while they were reading. She had the same thing for writing. Um, and what she did was when she was, when the kids were working and she was doing her thing, whether she was in conferences or working in small group, she kind of tallied, uh, interruptions and that could be a kid coming up to her to ask a question or just interruption where she had to like get a group on task or a student on task or something like that. And she, it wasn't really punitive, but what she did was she set it up as kind of like just as this expectation goal of, Hey, our expectation is that we can work through this and be self-sufficient and learners that really, that drive our own learning without having me be there every second. And so, but she showed us like her data, you know, they started with like, you know, 15 interruptions like every day. Then it got down to 10 and then it was down to eight and then it got down to five and then it went back up to eight and then it went down to five, you know? Mm -hmm. And, but it was, it was this cool way of just kind of collecting data as a class. And I think that's an interesting idea. I I think I like that idea. Um, Maybe if you're teaching middle school, maybe change that to be a little something different than tallies, but um, or a different way to measure it or a different way to kind of work with your students. But I like that idea of it being kind of like this community effort. It's just another piece of data for your class, too, because uh, I think that's because sometimes we can also misinterpret how disruptive things are in our classes, right? We might have a mm-hmm. bad day. Uh, we might have had a bad week. It might be a bad year. You know, the, for we might not gel with this particular group of students as well as a previous group, which is a very real thing. And so disruptions might seem worse than they are. But if you're collecting data on how often something's really being disruptive or a group is, that can at least inform you of whether your intuitions are correct or incorrect, right? So mm-hmm. I'm always mm-hmm. for gathering kind of that data. I think it's interesting. So that's that's a that's a, another way to kind of do it. But number two is, and you kind of mentioned it too, was seating chart. I lived and died by my seating charts. I love seating charts. It actually is flabbergasting. They don't use them in high school. Or at least at my high school that I'm at, they feel like they're babyish, but they also don't use quiet signals and they feel like those are babyish. And I'm like, well, how else do you get a group of people quiet? <laughs> like you gotta, like, right. I mean, even yeah, I in, do, I do quiet signals. Well, we do, uh, 
even at like professional developments, we've all sat in professional developments where someone doesn't have a quiet signal, right? It doesn't have to be like huge, right? Like I've had people use bells, uh, you know, they'll put their hand up or whatever. They they don't have to do like callbacks or something like that. But I've sat in PDs where they don't have that. And what happens? Adults talk the whole time. It's the same thing with kids, right? It's not a, and I know it seems overbearing, but it's like, there's just no other way to get people to be quiet, at least in a, in a, uh, most ways because people are people they're going to talk um go ahead no i had somebody one time they in a in a session they used a rain stick a yeah short oh rain stick. it I, was pretty cool we probably know that same person because i've seen yeah. someone do that too okay um, maybe or maybe not i don't know you've been around longer i've seen i've seen well, a rain stick i've seen a bunch of different ones and i think they're fine um it is what it is but so having uh the using a seating chart and and strategically putting kids in certain groups is good. Now sometimes you can separate kids and that just gives them a reason to yell across the room. So I have definitely <laughs> put kids that do that. To, <laughs> I have put kids like that together, um, which can also be bad. So it's kind of like just measuring like where where do you want to put out the fire? Do you want them yelling across the room or do you want them distracting each other right next to each other? I've done. Um, I've, I've done a lot, you know, the, my last year I had, I had a lot of, I had a, my last class of the day was filled with personalities and it was rough. And some days the workshop went amazing and I just sit back and go, this is incredible. And some days I was like, I'm never doing workshop again and (laughs) I'm just going to, just going to quit right now. And so not every day is perfect. I think you just have to troubleshoot. Look at kind of each piece, figure out where your problems are, and then just slowly start tweaking things. You know, you don't want to change too much at all times because you want to give kids time to kind of get acclimated. But really, going back to your original point, Ochoa, for kids that are disruptive and they can't handle kind of being in that independence for a long time, the more structured you can be the better and the more you can make each day be the same because what happens and this might seem uh this might seem like too i don't know it will seem like something but they like we we feel like kids should be able to do things but if they can't then we then we have to give them tools to be able to cope with whatever behaviors they have. They have these behaviors for a reason and it can be a pain and it can be the, and it can, it can be a headache for us, but really our job is to go, okay, so this is what they're showing me. How do I implement strategies, routines, and procedures in order to mitigate it as much as possible? Odds are, if your class is really rough, you're not going to change it completely, but you can get a class that is rough to get them to function um, at a higher level and that higher level will just keep going and it'll, it'll do worse and whatever. And I've had my fair share. I have had, you know, we talk a lot about that class of 20 that I had when I was a literacy coach and yeah, that one was pretty tough. One. The, the unique group that that was and how many challenges I had with that. And, um, and I've had various groups since then and you know, it, nothing's ever perfect, but they're the worst thing you can do is do nothing and complain. You know what I mean? No, and that, so, that, that's true. And, and I don't think I don't think Rebecca's that. I don't think anyone that listens to a podcast like this is like that. And so no. it comes on to us of saying, okay, so what do I do first? Maybe it's a seating chart. Maybe it's re-talking about um, 
expectations. Maybe we didn't do a good job at explaining our expectations, or if we did, maybe we're not holding them to expectations as well as we should have. Are we partnering with families? Are we calling home? Are we in a non-disciplinary way, just calling home and, and starting that dialogue, bridging that gap? Um, well, I, I agree with you, and I think that that definitely helps, but my situation started immediately. Yeah. I didn't even get a chance to That's call true. home and say. And Rebecca might hey. be in the same situation. Yeah. So, uh, but reach out to your, you know, I'm, I'm working hand in hand with my administrators. They know I've invited them in. I've asked for suggestions. Uh, I have noticed that this particular group, if I do, if anybody comes in to help me, it makes it worse. And this particular group is, if anybody gets in trouble, then they strive to be the next one to get in the most trouble. It's almost like they're in a competition. So I kind of like your ta- the talent, the keeping the data public. I have done a little bit of monitoring where I'm writing down, and they know I'm writing. And they'll sit there and go, y'all, y'all, she's writing. you got to be quiet. And I can get them quiet that way. But then what happens is, all of a sudden, they're all working. Everybody's working. It's all good. I even had like one of the students said, hey, Ms. Ochoa, it's quiet. And the minute that they said that, somebody got mad at that person next to them. And then there was a scuffle. And then one of them walked out of the room saying words that don't need to ever be repeated. And so, you know, so I've, I've got a plan for moments like that with my principal. We've created a plan. Uh, she told me exactly what she wants me to do the next time anything like that happens. And so the thing that is fortunate for me is these particular, this particular group, I'm not the only teacher having difficulties with them. And I think what's happened is they're over there going, if Ms. Ochoa is having difficulties with them, we got to do something. And that's one thing that I've kind of noticed. Um, so it, you know, but I think for the most part, choice, I think check check yourself. Are they bored? And if they're bored, is it because they're not choosing work that's difficult for them? Because sometimes what will happen is a student will go with the easy way out, and they'll pick like a, a book that's from the fourth grade level or whatever off your, you know, you let them choose whatever they want, and they pick something that's either very, very short or it's not challenging. And so knowing your students is another thing that you really need to try to do. And like I had a student that was really mad not too long ago, and it was out of character. Well, come to find out, there's a lot of difficulty going on uh, with that particular student that involves a home situation that I took the time to find out about. Does it make sense? And so I think the more we know about our students, the more we can help them in these times of need. And you have to ask yourself, why are they acting out? There's something about this group that needs attention. And they may not be having, they might not need attention from each other. They might not even want to be in trouble other than they just know that they get the attention. Uh, it's almost like they're competing for the most attention. So it's really kind of interesting. So it's it's really a puzzle. Um you know, and so I, I attack it that way. This is a puzzle. What do I need to do? And and like you said, always do something. And I think I said that before. If no matter what, 
always do something. So that day that was, there was a day that was really, really bad. And I shared this, I think on, on our bonus a little bit, but I came back that next day and I realigned the seating chart and I moved the kids who were really, really struggling to hear me when I talk because, you know, and I try to get them as quiet as possible, but the the these particular group of students make it very difficult. And this is why I did my schedule, because if I waited for them to get quiet, they all of a sudden have control of the class and I'm not getting done. So I just alternated my schedule. So that was one thing I did. Put them in a seating chart. Now I've rearranged their seating chart and moved all of the students near me because I had the same problem you were talking about. They were busy throwing stuff across the room at each other and yelling at each other the further apart they got. It's almost better to just put them together. So this time I put them all together a little bit and I scooted all the students in the center where I can get to them within just a few seconds. And so, um, and I stand in the middle and I never sit down. I never sit down in that class. The minute I sit down, I guarantee you something's happening. So it's really where I'm earning my money. I'm earning my money in that class. But I just repeat the the directions. I make sure it's very clear what I want them to do. But I like your tally thing. I think I'm going to try that. Try that. See if we can do some class data. She had some, uh, it was a good point. I loved it. I thought it was really cool. But in any case, I think it was a nice little stopping point. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Craft and Draft. Thank you for listening through another episode. Thank you for everyone who submitted questions. We love answering questions. If you have one, send it our way. We absolutely adore answering them. Feels like we're talking to you directly and gives us time to stretch our brains and pull up some old stories, new stories, and uh, everything in between to kind of uh, bridge the gap between us and you. But hopefully you're doing well. Hopefully this was useful. Um, Shout out to Rebecca and Hannah for all the support and being a part of the show. Shout out to you for listening and subscribing so you don't miss anything. We drop an episode every single Friday. We drop bonus episodes every single month if you are a Patreon supporter and bonus episodes if you are as well. So go support us. But if you can't, just leave a review. Those reviews really do help. Come back next week for another fantastic conversation, you guys. And know that we are here for you.